church. Or I should say, hello, family. So, um, but, but just like uh, Pastor Tovar said, you know, uh, my name is Paul Collins. I'm actually 25. I just wanted to kind of... Yeah, I just wanted to throw that out there just in case, you know, you thought I was old or whatever. But uh, anyway, just like he said, we're from our Victory Bible Institute. And, um, of course, we hail from a lot of different places. I'm, uh, I'm from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I'm not going to really say where they're from because it's not important because I said Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Amen. You don't have to all say amen at once. God is good. I know. I know. Let them just witness to you. Um, but anyway, just like he said, you know, um, this summer, you know, we're going to be going on the East Coast and we're going to be going down south and, and um, going to different churches and, and different venues, helping out. Um, whatever the need is in their church. One thing that we want to kind of do is have a have a paradigm shift in the church that says, you know, these people want to come in and kind of do something and get paid for it. We actually really, really want to pour in to the church. We really want to connect. But the reason for doing that, you know how when people go on missions trips, oftentimes they, you know, they leave. What we want to do is kind of establish something to where whenever we leave, we leave it better than what it was or helping to assist so that discipleship can take place. Because if I give you, you know, you, you know, you hear the story. If I give you a fish, you can eat it at one time. You know what I mean? But if I teach you how to fish, you can eat all the time because you can go fishing for yourself. So, um, but not to keep you guys long, um, we are going to be sharing, you know, a couple of our testimonies here. And uh, the first person I want to introduce is my good friend, John Fraser. Everybody give him a hand. How are we doing, family? Doing good? All right. Let me get this open real quick. But, um, no, when I was back there sitting down, we got done with worship. You know, the presence of God was so big today. I mean, you guys felt it. I heard you guys shouting and stuff like that. You know it's good whenever the crowd is shouting louder than the music is playing. I couldn't even hear what I was doing. So you guys are awesome. But I was sitting right back there, and I was just hearing all these testimonies, and that's awesome. You want to know why? Because that shows that you guys are coming through stuff, you know, because all of us are going to go through stuff. You know what? Like uh, the story in the Bible about, uh, you know, build your house on the rock because the storm's going to come. It didn't say because it might come, you know, build your house, you know, don't build it on sand because, you know, it might not come. Blah, blah, blah. It said because it will come. And so that's what I want to encourage you guys as we give some of our testimonies and stuff like that. Stuff will happen. But you guys are going through it the right way. And I think that's encouraging to me, like to go to all these different churches and stuff like that. And to see that this church is so mature spiritually, it's awesome. It's such a blessing to be here. But um, just a little background. I hail from not too far. I'm not anywhere from like Pittsburgh or whatever. I'm from Muskogee, Oklahoma. Anyone ever heard of it? Yeah, real, real small, real small town. But um, just a little background. Um, my parents uh, divorced at a real early age when I was four, and so I had to live, you know, with that baggage going back and forth from week to week, you know, through my whole life. And then when I hit middle school, they were like, all right, it's time for you to make a decision. And I was like, what? I'm a real indecisive person anyways. Uh, you can ask any of them. Like, I'm like, nah, I'll make it later. But it got to that point to where they're like, all right, you need to make a decision because this is wearing you down. You don't even know it, and it's going to wear you down more when you're in middle school and in high school. And I was like... Why can't you guys make it? Why can't you guys, you know, like hate each other enough that we go to court and we figure this out? You know, like I didn't really want that, but I was like, why can't, why can't you guys just figure it out? You know, I don't want this big decision weighing on me. And so the time came. I made the decision and I chose my mother. You know, I'm kind of a mama's boy. That's how it goes, you know. But um, and in result with that, my dad totally was just like done with me. He was like, you know what? I 
I disown you. He wanted me to change my last name. Like, it got, it got that bad, you know. And, you know, I don't know if any of you guys, like, grew up without a father or anything like that. I'm not asking you to raise your hand or anything. But, you know, it, it hurt because I'd always had my dad with me. Like, everything I did was with my dad. It was like, I went, I used to race go-karts. I don't know very many people don't know that. But I used to race, yeah, I'm from Oklahoma. we got to go dirt track racing. And so I used to do that. And, you know, like, for me to have to stop doing that because I don't have a father anymore to help me with my go-kart or help fund it was just like, wow, what do I do? So I went searching for all these things, like, man, what do I do? And it was in uh, seventh grade. I was like, you know what? I'm going to start playing music. And so I started playing music, started playing guitar in seventh grade, and I watched it progress. And um, just kind of watched it progress. And then from that, I went, like every other high school, or musician. I went in and out of different bands and stuff like that. Started out in the right crowd with the Christian group and then started filling in for a few secular bands and then watched how that totally changed my attitude, changed the way, things that I did and stuff like that. And then I got to be full-time with nothing but secular bands and I was like not going to church and stuff like that. And it was just, I was like, you know what, I'm strong enough. Maybe I can be a light in the darkness here. And then so we started going on tour and stuff like that. And then when it got to the point of being out of town out of state and stuff like that it's like it, it no one's gonna know if i drink you know like just this once you know no one's gonna know if i do this drug here because you know what i'm in a different state no one's gonna go home and tell my bandmates are loyal to me and stuff like that so i watched like these vices slowly start to come in just slowly start to creep in on my life and at the same time i had been uh i'd been engaged to um kind of like a high school sweetheart i guess and um we go, and we were going to get married right when I got out of high school, and um, and this is all in my senior year. We go, and uh, we kind of had a little little fight or whatever. I thought it was little. But um, so evidently it was bigger than what I thought. Like I said, I'm really indecisive. So, and, um, so we called it off, and then two months later, you know, trying to deal with that and all that, two months later she got engaged to somebody else. And then was going to be married in another month or two. So, like, all of that, like, crashing down on me, you know, was really hard. So then when I was, in, then when I was on tour, it got way worse. It got to the point to where, yeah, you know, I'd have a few drinks. But now this time, it got to the point to where it was like, I don't even want to remember anything. I just, I don't even want to remember falling asleep. It was that bad. I want to buy a whole bottle and not share it. You know, just keep it to myself and just keep going back and forth. Well, then when I got home from tour... I, I get a phone call from my ex-fiance, and she was like, hey, I need to talk to you. And I was like, I honestly don't want to talk to you right now. And if things couldn't get anywhere, she was like, hey, I've been, I've, I'm in the hospital right now. And I was like, why are you telling me? I was like, maybe she's loopy. You know, she's on some medication. Maybe she accidentally called the wrong fiance. I don't know. I was like, ah, I don't know. I'm like, why are you talking to me? You've got someone else for you that will be there for you. It's like, what's the problem? She was like, well, I want to tell you that. Um, just a couple hours ago, I gave birth to your child, and um, it died. It was, you know, it was just three, it was about three months old. We didn't know, and uh, it was just, I couldn't even say anything. Like, I stayed, both of us just stayed on that phone for like an hour. It was just silence. I couldn't, I, I can remember exactly where I was. I was in my car and in a part, in a Walmart parking lot, and just, okay, what do I, like, what do I do now? And then God was like, you know, I asked God, I was like, if there's anything, 
anything at all that I can do. Obviously, no, I can't get that back. I can't get that relationship back. What can I do to better myself? And he showed me the exact church to get plugged into. I started doing that and then uh, started to better my life. But it was ongoing struggle because I had made those vices. Anytime it got rough, I went back straight back into drinking. And it was it was hard. It was really hard. And the drinking became so bad that uh, one New Year's Eve, I uh, consumed like a whole bottle and a whole 12 pack by myself and then all my friends thought I was dead you know and like they were rushing me to the hospital I had uh like uh had alcohol poisoning and all that stuff and then uh doctors told me I did almost die and it was just like I'm not getting any better and it was it's time to make that change and one of my best friends um who grew up with me he'd done all the same stuff with me We'd, we'd been in and out of different bands, went to the same high school. I went started going to his church, so, you know, we were friends. We'd grown up together, and he was a year older than me, and he went to Victory Bible Institute while I was still a senior, while this was still happening. And then I saw the radical transformation in his life. And he wasn't even in church when he went. I really don't know why he went to VBI. I'll be honest with you. These guys all know him, and we're just like, it's real crazy how he ended up there. But so I was hanging out with him one night and one of the guitar teachers came in and was with him from BBI over the summer. They were about to go on summer tour three years ago. And he was like, hey, hey, man, you know, like, and I, my first impression on him was this dude's a dork. Like, what's he doing? And they all know Daniel Mao. I was just like, this guy, what is this guy doing? Like, I don't want that. And then he was like, just telling me about VBI and like. I was like, you know what, it has changed my friend's life radically. Uh, maybe there's something in it for me. And then he handed me a brochure, as corny as this is. He handed me a brochure. Why he had them on him, they weren't hanging out with anybody. I was like, it's kind of awkward for him to be carrying brochures. I took it, and I was like, all right. And so I go home that night, and I was looking at the brochure. And because I was thinking about where I wanted to go to college and stuff like that. And I had, uh, I put it in the other pile of all these people that were mailing me stuff. And the thing that I thought that was unique about Victory Bibles Institute that drew me to it, that it was like the slogan is find the life you were born to live. Everywhere else is not that slogan. It's like, come get a degree where you can do this, 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 you know, and possibly come back and spend more money because that job will be outdated in a couple of years. You know what I mean? Like none of them, none of them showed that. And I was like, oh, I don't know what I'm doing. So it was kind of an easy choice, and then I was radically, it was kind of funny, like, I put it on the back burner, and then when school came around, because I'm a real indecisive person, it was the day of school, and I was like, well, I can't come in now, you know? And then so uh, Ron Mack, the director, called me into his office, and I was like, hey, is there any way I can come in next semester? I was like, you know, I'll pay, I'll do all this stuff, you know, I'll fill out the stuff today, but, you know, class has already started, I can't, I can't come in today. And he, he just looked at me real puzzled and he was like okay besides money he was like because i doubt you're carrying three thousand dollars on you right now he was like besides money what's stopping you from starting today i was like you signing the paper he was like i'll do that he was like just go downstairs start class give me the money tomorrow i was like okay so i got jumped into school and it's just been an awesome roller coaster ride and i'd love to say that it stops right there but it doesn't. How many know that since you started coming to church, got your life back together, that it just doesn't stop there, that stuff starts reoccurring? And so I remember last year over my first year, I was staying at housing, and I, I moved from Muskogee to housing midway through the year. And I remember it was towards the end of the year, it was about this time last year, I was, knew I was going on summer tour and all this other stuff. And there was a job that opened up, 
at Victory, and I was like, hey, maybe this is it. It's exactly what I want to do, you know. Like, so I, I, I was like, I'll apply, I'll apply. And, uh, and it was a big deal for me because, like I said, I'm a real indecisive person. So for me to actually show initiative, it was, it was a big deal. I was like, I know I'm going to get the job because I'm actually showing initiative. And then like a week later, it was like I didn't get the job and someone else got it. And I was like, oh, what, did I miss God? Like, what, God, what, what's, what's wrong with this situation? Like, and I just start pointing the finger, just blah, blah, blah. And I was like, God, nothing's going great. You know, student life, you know, I was probably on nothing but a cup of noodles and stuff like that. So I was just real, like, frustrated. I was like, God, I gave up everything. I was like, I don't have a job. I'm living by faith right now. I don't have any food anymore. I just ate all of it. And now I didn't even get the job that could help supply for all this stuff. What's going on? I was like, God, I've obviously missed you. I was like, and if you're real and all this stuff, I was to a really bad breaking point. And I was like, if you're even real, anything, I was like, I'm starting to question this whole school. I was like, if you're real, you would give me the answer to life right now because I seem to keep failing. And he was like, you want the answer to life? And I was like, Yes, I want the answer to life. I didn't know. I didn't. I was real surprised that he even answered that because I was expecting just like a closed-in conversation. He was like, "Do you really want the answer?" And I was like, "Yeah, I want it." And he was like, "All right." He's like, "I want you to go. I want you to lay down on your bed." And I had a top bunk, and I'm not very tall, so I I always had to jump up there. And so I'm like, "Okay." He was like, "I want you to really brace yourself because this is going to be some knowledge." So I'm like, "All right, I'm good." And he was like. All right. He's like, I want you to open your Bible. And I was like, yeah. And I like had it ready. And I'm just like bracing myself up against the wall. I'm sitting up, you know, got like three pillows back here. I'm like, all right, have the covers pulled up. I'm expecting them to like fall off once I get like this inspiration. I'm like popping my fingers. All right. I was like, where do I turn, God? And he was like, all right, are you ready for this knowledge? I was like, more than anything. He was like, all right, turn to Genesis 1-1. I was like, getting ready. He's like, I want you to read that. I was like, all right. He was like, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. I want you to stop there. I was like, you don't want me to keep reading? No, I want you to stop there. Okay. I mean, (laughs) uh, what? And he was like, I want you to read it again. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. I was expecting like more heavens to come down to earth or something. I was like, What's going on? I was like, nothing's happening. He was like, say it again. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. One more time. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Just keep saying it. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And I was like, wait a second. If God created the heavens and the earth, that means that he was here before that. And since the heavens and the earth are exactly the way that he planned, Shouldn't we put him in the beginning of everything that we do, that we make on this earth, that we try and do? I was like, God, I didn't pray for that job before. I didn't put you first, did I? And he was like, no, you didn't. He's like, you just went after it. I was like, let's see. He was like, if you would have asked me if this job is right for you or if I've called you to this job, I would have told you no. And it would have saved all this heartache. He was like, actually... And he started to bring everything, wrap everything up. He was like, if you would have asked me about getting engaged, being in any of those bands, being in any of that stuff, I would have told you not to do that stuff either. And you wouldn't have had to deal with all this stuff that you've dealt with. And I was like, I got it. That is the answer. I was like, I won't doubt you ever again. I'd like to say that's the case, but, you know, we're all, we're all human. But so with that, 
to wrap that all up, like I said, playing music and stuff like that. When I came to VBI, I didn't really know what praise and worship was, you know. I didn't realize that putting God first meant praising Him before you even see something coming. You know what I mean? Like, the way I should have planned about that job was saying, you know what, God, I'm really thinking about this job, and if He didn't answer me yet, praise Him. Or if He said no, if He would have told me no like He said He would have, I would have praised Him and been like, God, thank you. I could have went through a big storm with that. So I didn't know that this is what all you do. But one of the uh, pastors... um, at uh, Victory, Pastor Paul, he brought up some really good stuff about praise and worship about a month ago. And he came with the biggest quote, and this goes right along with my testimony. He says, praise precedes and proceeds the victory. I was like, wow, it really does. It's supposed to be before and it's after. You know, we're supposed to be praising him before we even get to the situation. And then even afterwards when we have the victory. You know, because sometimes... I get those reversed where I'll praise and worship before and I'm like, God, I know you're going to provide through this. And he provides and I'm like, all right, yeah. I was like, it's all because of what I did before. And then I don't praise and worship after. I don't say thank you for what you did now that you've done it. And uh, it's like, I'm a big analogy guy. So it's like praise and worship should sharpen, should sharpen the axe, which, is, which the axe is faith. And then so it can bite into the wood in which the wood is everything that we want to try and accomplish in life, everything that we want to do, everything that we're believing for. Is anyone believing for anything specific here? Obviously, I know that this family is a really big praying church, so I know I'm in the right place to say this today. But whatever it is you guys are believing for, you know, it starts before that. It takes actions. And that action, that first step that you got to do is praise and worship. Because praise sharpens the axe, which is faith, believing for that. And so... Do we have any people that chop down trees, stuff like that? I know my grandfather was a... Okay, we got a few tree choppers. Whoa, say that three times fast. Tree choppers. Okay. But uh, my grandfather had a farm, had a lot of cattle and stuff like that. So there were some times where I might have to roll up the sleeves. Granted, I wasn't very good at manual labor. And chop down a few trees. They weren't big trees. I don't want you guys to think. It was like, like that show on History Channel. I don't know what it's called. I don't know. But I'm nothing like that. No, no, no. Maybe like this tall. And I thought I was cool stuff. But um, how many know that uh, dull axe is no good? Do we all know that? Do we know that? Okay. And why, why is a dull axe no good? Just go ahead and yell out some stuff. I know I've got a tree chopper over there. Takes more work. That's exactly right. Why else is a dull axe bad? It doesn't bite into the tree. And you know what? That can be bad in two ways. Number one, take more time. You have to keep going at it. Number two, if it bounces off, it's real easy to bounce off and come back into a leg or an arm. And you know who knew this? Abraham Lincoln knew this very well. And I believe his quote was, Give me six hours to chop down a tree, and I'll spend the first four sharpening my axe. Why would he want to spend four hours sharpening his axe? Because he knew it would take less time to do it. He could get more trees chopped in a shorter amount of time if he spent the time in preparation. So guys, I'm telling you guys, whatever it is you're believing for, whether it's finances, whether it's for your marriage, whether it's for healing, any of these things, 
Spend time sharpening your axe. In other words, what I'm saying is spend time in praise and worship. You know, I can tell that you guys are a praise and worship kind of church because, like I said earlier, I heard you guys over me playing guitar. And that doesn't happen a lot at some churches that we go to. It doesn't even happen at Victory a lot of the time, you know. And so I know I'm in good company here. And so just a little word of encouragement. Don't forget that first and most simple step of sharpening the axe, okay? Right now, I want to hand it over to Miss Rebecca, and she's going to give her testimony. Good morning. Like you said, my name is Rebecca. Um, I live in Tulsa now. I moved around a little bit before, and I came to Tulsa in my sophomore year um, and began attending Victory and uh, their high school, and I just, I loved it, and it built me up, and I was like, this is great. This church is alive. This school is alive. These students are alive, and I was just so in love with God, going on missions and things like that. And as I got to my senior year, I was like, God, where am I supposed to go now? And I had the opportunity to enroll in ORU, and I took that, and I started going to ORU. And as I did, I I started to let the priorities in my life shift. And as as that was happening, I began to put my education above everything else. I was like, I've got to get good grades. I've got to pass these classes. I can't fail. You know, it's like, I've got to perform. You know, my parents are expecting so much. I'm the first person in my family to go to college. I was like, I've got to, I've got to meet these expectations. People are expecting so much of me. And so I began to, like I said, put education above everything else. I wasn't even going to church. I just, I was like, I don't have time. I don't have time. I'm sorry, God. I don't. I just don't have time for you. I don't have time to go to church and praise you. You know, I, I've got to get good grades. I've got to study. I've got to read. I've got to do all this homework. So as that happened, like for a while, I was okay and I was sustained. I was like, I have chapel once a week. It's all good. You know, and I was just, I was going and I was going and, and I got busier and busier and I was in choirs and, and I was trying to be on the worship team there and in the worship choir and, and um trying to worship God with all that was within me. And, and as I got to my junior year, I read some books that were really good for me. And I believe since I've been at VBI, God showed me how reading these books, it opened my life up to something that I didn't want. It opened my life up to something. It kind of opened something back up that had been closed. Um, Something had been opened in my life early on um, because um, when I was younger, I was molested. And so there was something opened up inside me, and I had closed it off, and I let God try to heal me. And then when after I read these books, that thing was opened up again, and this spirit of lust kind of started to creep in, and I didn't realize it. So, you know, I had read these books, and, and then I just I started wanting relationships with 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 guys I was just like I, I want to be with someone I, w- I want that relationship I want to feel that and I started going after relationships and I ended up in a relationship and this guy was I mean it was only a month and this guy was already talking about a ring and I was like oh my gosh no you know and I and I knew there was just some stuff there and I broke it off and then immediately like a couple months later I was already like talking to this other guy and like we were in relationship and uh starting to talk and and my dad he just you know I should I look back now and I, I realize I should have listened 
But of course, I thought I knew better. And I was like, no, this guy's good. He, he goes to Victory. He, he goes to ORU. He's a theology major. And I'm like, this is, this is good, you know. But, you know, I mean, this guy was 10 years older than me, had already been through a divorce and had a kid. And I didn't even, like, I didn't even, like, take anything as red flags or anything. And, and immediately the relationship just began all in lust. And uh, everything just went wrong from there. And, and, like, he was just playing with my heart and hurting me, and he would say things to me that just, I was like, oh, well, maybe I'm not good enough. Like, maybe I'm not pretty enough. I don't look like that girl. Like, da-da-da. So I started to alter myself to fit the girl that I thought he wanted. And I began to work out religiously to the point I was, I was really tiny, and I was down to the smallest I'd ever been in my life. And I was just, like, altering me and who I was to fit what he wanted. And it was so wrong, and I didn't realize it until so much later. And uh, near the end of that relationship, you know, I'm ORU. I'm, I'm trying to still be on the worship team, but it was lacking because I, I wasn't giving my, myself to God. Like, I, I wasn't, I still wasn't going to church. You know, I was in this wrong relationship. And so, you know, everything just kind of kept going downhill. And at one point, I remember hitting rock bottom and just like, I was just like in tears and I was like, God, how did I get to this point? Like I could hear, you know, I could see faces. I could see my parents. I could see my grandpa, you know, who had lived so much for God and who encouraged me and and was praying for me. And he was worried about me. He kept calling my mom. How is she doing? Is she okay? You know, how, how is this going? You know, is she still thinking about that guy? Is she still seeing him? You know, my grandpa was so worried about me and like, God was speaking to him. And I'm so glad that through this entire time, I had turned my back on God, but yet God was pursuing me. He was pursuing me. He had family members praying for me, and he was pursuing my heart, and I didn't even know it. And just his love just is revealed to me through this whole situation, that he was pursuing me. He loved me, that no matter what, he was going after me. He didn't want me to be lost. He didn't want me to be hurt. You know, and and I finally, like right before coming, uh, I graduated ORU, and I was like, I don't feel prepared. I don't know what to do next. I had kind of just gone through ORU, gone through the motions, and, and I was like, I don't feel ready to do anything. It's like, I don't feel ready to live the life that he had called me to be living in. Um, and so I knew I was supposed to go to VBI, yet during the summer, you know, I still, I still wasn't living right. And so um, finally one day I was driving in my car on the way to work and uh, I was working in the state care and I had to drive clear across town. So I'm driving and God spoke to me, even in the place I was in, you know, not going to church, not, you know, doing anything right. God spoke to me and he was like, Rebecca, what are you doing? Like, why aren't you living the life I've called you to live? You know, why why are you running? Why are you why aren't you living right? I want 100% of you. I want all of you. I want everything that you are. I've called you to do great things. And now's the time. Now's the time. I kind of felt like it was a now or never moment. I kind of felt like if I don't give everything to God right now, I'm not going to I'm not going to do what he's called me to do. I may do it to a certain level, but I'm not going to go where he wants me to go. 
And so I was like, I felt like this now or never moment. It's now or never. Give everything to God. Live 100% for Him. Or don't live at all. Like, don't live for Him at all. Just, you know, don't go to VBI, whatever. So um, I, I, I decided right then and there in my car, I was crying. And I was like, okay, God, this is the moment. You know, I, I'm going to do it. I immediately stopped seeing the other guy I was seeing at that time. And I was like, I just kind of dropped all communication off, and I was just like, okay, God, I'm going after you. I put some new boundaries in my life, and I was like, okay, I can do this. And so I started every week. I was going to church, going to church, and just getting filled up. And and I went to VBI, and I can honestly say in the two years I've been at VBI, I'm a totally different person. God has, has, like John said, God has radically changed my life. Like, I have no words to explain. I'm not the person that I used to be. And now there's just like a passion burning down inside to minister to people, to sing songs of worship to him, to let other people know that it is your time. It is your time to step up, live 100% for him. Don't live half-hearted. That's not what he wants. He wants every bit of you, every single piece of you. And it's time. It doesn't matter how long you've been living as a Christian or how short of a time. He wants all of you, every single piece of you. And now is the time to do that. In the Bible, it tells us that God has loved us with an everlasting love. And that's what we're to expect is his love, 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 love. That's what he has for us. He pursued his people all the way through the Bible. It shows us he pursued his people. In the book of Hosea, it compares the way that the Israelite people were living. It compares it to an adulterous relationship. And yet God loves him. And he had the prophet Hosea live that out in his life. And that's how God sees us. Even though we may have turned our back on him, he loves us. No matter where we are, whether we're just living in a complacent life, whether we've turned our back on him, he's pursuing you in everything that you do. He's pursuing you and he loves you. And he's drawing you in. Uh, Just like one thing that's been really raising up in me is the fact that God has, has a way of closing the gap. We were separated from God. He gave us Jesus, which separated the gap. When Jesus left, he said he's going to send another comforter just like him, as in, as in the Holy Ghost, to bridge the gap with us. God says that even the stuff that you're going through, I'm praying on your behalf, I'm interceding on your behalf, and I'm going before my Father. One thing that that tells me, and that, um, that the one thing that was put into me, this phrase, that love is the great distance eliminated. There's one point in one time in my life to where I did feel separated, and I separated myself on purpose. One time God told me that I'm not going to do or require anything of you that I haven't done first. I'm like, well, God, that's not fair. You know, I mean, I got, you know, I, I got people that don't like me. I got s- different circumstances, my family going through different stuff. And Jesus was like, it, it, that's, not, that, that's not anything new that I haven't been through. I chose you before you even knew who I was. When you were still spitting my face. Whenever you became saved and you still turned away whenever you knew the truth. But one thing that happened for me that I had to do was, you know, a lot of us, we have a lot of teaching. We're getting a lot of teaching. We're getting a lot of information. But sometimes we have to transfer that knowledge into wisdom. By that meaning, applying what you know. 
and getting this experience. Sometimes I'm on the outside looking in. God, you know what? You're telling me to do this. You're telling me to do that. Okay, I'll try it. And that's really just what he wants. Try it. Taste it. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see that I am good. And, and um, it's just, man, I think back with, with, with my mother. And I, and I spoke on this in Norway a little bit. My mom was taken out of school in the fourth grade. She was the oldest, uh, the, the, the oldest daughter. And my, uh, my granddad, you know, he was a, you know, a prize fighter back in the day. He was also in the army. Um, but whenever he got out, the army, out of the army, he received shock therapy. And one thing that he did was, you know, he used to beat the kids, but not just, you know, like with a belt. Like he would literally put the raps on and go to work on the kids. Now, and, and I mean by, I mean, full-fledged knocking them out. Not only did he marry, of course, my mom's mom, but he also married his first cousin. And then they all lived in the same house. So you're, t- you're talking about like 15 children under one household. And if my mom was the oldest, the rest of them had never been in school. So it was, it was one of those times to where, you know, he, he, wanted to, he wanted to take him out of school and, you know, I'll teach him myself. You know, I'll teach him myself. There's a whole lot going on out there. You know, everybody hates us and, you know, that type of feel. I can do this on my own. Obviously, he couldn't, you know. Now, uh, throughout them growing up, they had a warped, warped, warped childhood. And the fact of the matter is, like, I felt some of that even in the household. Well, to make a long story short, you know, um, my mom obviously didn't go to high school. She didn't go to finish elementary. She didn't finish junior high. So how she could, how, she didn't even go to college, you know, obviously, because she didn't go to school. Well, to kind of make the long story short, you know, um, and she wasn't even raised a Christian. He tried to raise them in like an Orthodox Jew, then Muslim, then Buddhist, then something else that he also tried to create. It was just kind of, it was just a whole bunch of weird stuff. A whole lot of stuff that he wanted to come up with. You need to do this. You need to do that. Don't do this. Don't do that. When you look at other people, don't look them in the eyes. You're not, you're not good enough to look them in the eyes, that type of feel. Now, whenever she came to Christ, it was one of those deals where, like John said, it's one of those breaking points. She said, well, you know what? Someone, you know, had, had, had introduced Christ to her. And he was like, this God. And at, at this time, there was still a lot of racism going on in the United States, you know. And, he's, and she's like this. So you mean to tell me that you want me to serve this Jesus and you tell me to love people, but you don't even love me. You want me to serve this God and do what you want me to do, but I don't have the same rights that you do. And she said at that point, she said she never heard God speak. She never heard God speak at all until this one time. And God said, choose me, try me. And, 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 and I think the, the, the end part was, choose me, try me, and let me change everything that you've been through. And for her, she had tried so many times to let go and, okay, I'm going to trust this, I'm going to believe in this. And she's been let down so many times. So for her, it was, a big, it was a big step. It was a big deal. And she was like, who's this speaking to me? So she did it. And one of the things that um, when I just told the scripture as far as taste and see that the Lord is good, that was what she was directed to in scripture. And whenever she started to apply it, she started to see that there was this attitude that was developed in her. We talked with the youth yesterday as far as don't survive your situation, conquer your situation. Sometimes when you're in survival mode, you know, say I, I told him yesterday, I was like, imagine you're a ninja. I like ninjas, you know, and I'm fighting Bruce Lee's son. I know I'm silly. Just bear with me. And then, you know, we're fighting, we're fighting, we're fighting. Uh, but I'm really beat up. He's really beat up. And then we just have the last blow. Boom. And then I fall over. I'm barely, barely hanging on, you know what I'm saying, by a string of life. And I'm just pretty much about to die. 
That seems as if that's what a lot of us are doing in the church today. Surviving, getting by, living just to get to the next mode, getting to the next season. But God calls us even in the kingdom perspective for us to overwhelm our situations. Just like John said, we're going to go through things and things are going to happen to us. But with faith and, what, and, and the capability that God has given us through grace, we have the opportunity to go through it. And of course, that operative word is through. I'm not going to stay here. I'm going to get to the other side. And sometimes that's us making up our, our mind like my mom did. Okay, well, you know what? I'm going to conquer this situation. Back in the day, you know, if, if there was neighboring, you know, tribes, if the one conquered the other one, they took everything. Not only did they beat them, but they took the women, they took the children, they took the men, and they took their everything, you know? So sometimes the enemy steals certain things, but we need to develop this attitude that says, you know what? You might have stolen from me, but I'm going to take it back. And that's not a far-fetched, you know, weird idea that says, you know what? I can't do that. The kingdom suffers violent, but the violent take it by it takes it by force. So we need to develop this attitude, even imputing it to the kids, just like as you uh, have been doing with music, with the things that God has called you to do. You take it. You grab it. One thing, and um, real quick, in Luke 2:49, it says here, and uh, this is Jesus speaking to Mary and Joseph, of course, his parents. And he said to them, um, why do you seek me? Of course, you know, they kind of lost Jesus. I'm like, where in the world is Jesus at? Where is that boy at? You know, they went to go see him. And he said, um, did you not know that I must be about my father's business? And a couple of weeks ago, Dan Stone. Uh, who's one of the, he's the kids pastor at, um, at, uh, at Victory. He's a beast. That's my term. He's good. He's a beast. Um, he said that there was a four-letter word in that, in that scripture that we have to get a hold of, and it's must. There's going to be a lot of things that oppose you. Well, I don't have enough money for school. I don't know if I can do this. I'm not as smart as the other person. I might not be as tech savvy. You know, I don't look like everybody else. The fact of the matter is, is I must get this done. As the church, there's so many people, even inside of the church, that are hurting. We must reach them. It's not a, it's not a, oh, okay, well, maybe we can do it, and maybe that can be in our 15-year plan to speak to other people. We can do this now. Because I, I do not want to see my neighbor or myself or my family fall by the wayside. So to make a, you know, to make a long story short, and we're going to go back into worship here, my mom not only got her GED, she also went to college, got her bachelor's. And then now she has her master's degree. The fact of the matter is that there's, there's nothing that's impossible or nothing that's too hard with God. So even if we have this mindset and the bank can come up, even, and I want to encourage you, and of course, we, you know, whenever we were here last time, we were talking about hope. Hope is the substance of things hoped for. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Right now, with those things that you've lost hope in, or even if life has torn you down, especially if you're a little bit older and you've seen, you know, you've seen a lot in life, I want to encourage you to have that childlike faith to reach back for, because also the children are watching you. I know one, one of the main reasons why I, I kind of got tired of church was it just seemed like the same old thing. Ah, oh, well, you know, we're kind of getting by. Hopefully God will do it. And uh, praise God, turn to your neighbor. And, uh, you know, in and, and about 15 days, God's going to do this in my life. And then nothing happened. But it also seemed as if when I walked in, everybody would have like this look on their face that God is good. You should love him. And, uh, and hopefully we'll see you in a sweet by and by. That's exciting. No, it's not. You know, and, and it was one of those things where, you know, and, and of course I was, you know, immature. So I was like, well, if they're not doing it, I'm going to step outside of it, you know. And then, of course, you know, I'm finding scripture and it was like on earth as it is in heaven. I was like, oh, on earth as it is in heaven. What in the world does that mean? The kingdom of God is now. We don't have to wait till we get to heaven. 
That's, that, that's not hope. That's not a future. God said that he knows the plans and, and he gives us a hope and he gives us a future now. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever, and we are made in his image. We possess that same quality. What we do is going to have an echoing effect, a lasting effect in this life and in the next. If he is the same yesterday, today, and forever, what we can do can last yesterday, today, and forever. So if everybody could please stand to your feet. And like I said, just kind of evaluate yourself. If there's certain things in your life that, you know what, I've kind of put this on the back burner. I've kind of put this on the wayside. Or, you know what, I'm going through this. It's too late for me. Nothing is impossible with God. Understand this, and so we're going to go back into Hope's anthem, that we are anchored and we are steadfast. Even if you don't believe it, the Bible says for you to think on these things, declare these things. I don't want to believe it, but I'm going to will myself to believe it. Because also my love is an act of obedience. God, I love you, so I'm going to be obedient to your word. I don't feel like it. I can't see it. I don't necessarily believe it right now, but you told me to believe, and I'm going to believe. So take hold of it. Amen. All right, praise God. All right.